Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. TNT. Hi, this is Tom Del Beccaro, your U.S. Senate candidate. I'm in today, guest hosting for none other than Andrea Kay, who has the day off on this Memorial Day where we honor the fallen that have given the ultimate gift to the American Republic, keeping us safe while, while they went abroad and gave their lives. And you can't ask for anything more. Actually, we don't really have the right to ask even for that much. And so I think it's more than important on a day like today that we recognize them. And then to do that during this hour, I have three special guests from around the country, three veterans who risked their lives so that we could be safe and free. First up, our guests will be Sean Atkins. We'll have Lieutenant Colonel Bill Cowan and Lieutenant Colonel Paul Nagy as well. We're going to start with Sean. Sean is a Marine vet. Sean, you there with us? I'm right here, Tom. Thanks for having me. And you live in the heart of coal country, which is West Virginia, who is suffering from a different kind of war these days, aren't they? Yeah, we sure are, Tom. Uh, the, the war on coal has been well publicized, and we are definitely feeling the, uh, the adverse effects of it right now. So please, Sean, please tell us where did you? Where were your tours of duty, and and what does Memorial Day mean to you? Well, my my tours actually uh, were over in the uh, sandboxes, as I like to put it, of Saudi Arabia and Kuwait in the late ninety, early ninety one during Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Uh, I was a marine engineer operator, which basically meant I got to dig holes and uh, a few times got to blow stuff up. So, um, <laughs> you know, we went over there, and uh, it, it was. I don't like to look at my service like it was a tremendous sacrifice. We did lose a few great men over there, not nearly as many as we have in, in Operation Enduring Freedom, or not nearly, surely not nearly as many as we did back in Vietnam or World War II. And as far as Memorial Day to me, obviously it's a day to reflect and it's a day to remember the fallen and, and to to remember why and to give, give appreciation and thanks as to why we are a free nation and why we get to enjoy um, what we enjoy in this country, whether it be our freedom of speech, freedom of religion, uh, just our freedom to live as individuals and make our own decisions for ourselves. But this as important, maybe, maybe even more important, to me, Memorial Day is about the future. Um, I recently just became a new grandfather, um, got two wonderful children, and to me, what Memorial Day represents is the sacrifices that were made for not just myself and everyone alive today, but for the future generations and what, what this nation, what freedom will be in 20, 30, 40 years from now. Because um, obviously the greatest generation back in the 40s, I mean, the even the sacrifices of the folks who were here at home, the ones who didn't go overseas to fight, um, whether it be the rationing of gasoline and electricity and, and commodities and things of that nature, and, and the hard work that people put in, not getting paid for, a lot of volunteerism. Um, we still have volunteers today, but I, you know, I, I was doing an interview just a week ago about my book, 
And someone asked me, so what, what is, you know, and my book, the name of my book is Squashing Liberalism. Now, obviously, that's a very, uh, that's a very one-sided uh, political topic for a book. But I'm very passionate about uh, exposing liberalism for what it is. And I'm, I said this in the interview, Tom. I said, you look back 70 years ago. We had, even the, even the people like I mentioned who didn't go overseas to fight, they were here sacrificing. They, and even the 19, 20, 21-year-olds, they were happy to do their part to try to help with the war effort. Now we have 19, 20, and 21 year olds on college campuses running and seeking out safe spaces when they see Donald Trump's name drawing chalk. Yeah, I, w- I wanted it's to. A totally different mindset. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you that. We're talking to Sean Ad- Atkins. He lives in West Virginia, Marine Corps veteran, served uh, in, in two wars in the Middle East. Uh, with... Well, one, one actually. That better said there's a storm was an ongoing operation. Okay, sorry. No, I, I seriously wanted to ask you that. I saw on Facebook this uh, picture of uh, Normandy, right? You had these young men going into certain death for, for many of them, right? And doing what? Helping save the world. And today you see out there all these kids who are, who are afraid to be offended. What, uh, what's the mentality of someone like you who goes over there? I mean, what are you thinking because obviously some men did lose their lives. How do you feel when you're over there? What's it like to take on that risk? Well, first of all, I think, and I can only speak for myself and probably just a few other of my brothers that I know that have the same mentality. When you're actually there, and you don't think about your own mortality. You don't think about the sacrifice you're making. All you, you know, you're primarily focused on the mission and the person to your left and the person to your right. You're not thinking about, you know, what's going on back home. Or what. I mean, obviously, you, you have those times to reflect when you have some downtime over there to reflect on home. But when it's, when it's get up and go time, when it's time to gear up and grab your socks and, and go, you don't have time to think about that. You just think about accomplish what you know, what lies ahead. And once that's accomplished, then you move on to the next objective. Um, as far as these, these, these young whippersnappers, as I call them, um, and, and I'm not old, but I'm not young by any means. I'm 45 years old. But, you know, when, look, I fully support anyone's right to be offended by anything. They have the right to be offended. As a matter of fact, I, I'm sure I've offended more than a few people with what I've said in my book and what I'm saying on my radio show. But I, I support their right to be offended. But you know what, Tom? There's, there's a right that, is, that, that does not exist that has been made up by the left. They think there is such thing as a right to not be offended. There's no such right guarantee yeah, right. in the Constitution to not be offended. Yeah, I, you can turn me off. You can close my book. You can burn my book. You can turn off your show and end uh, your show. Um, you, you can do a number, a myriad of different things to not have to listen to the message that you don't agree with. But it's, you know, there's no such thing as not being offended. Uh, we just need to learn to grow up and be able to engage one another on a, on a mature intellectual level and try to uh, look. Even with a staunchest liberal, I would at least try first and foremost to find some common ground that we can work from. Now, sometimes that's not always possible, but if it is, you've made an inroad with that person. Okay, so the that, of the country. That, and that to me, that's what squashing liberalism. But again, the name of my book—that's what it's all about. It's not—it's not completely eradicating the person. It's taking that mindset and finding—you know—pointing out the fallacies in that mindset and saying, "Look, surely we can agree on this. Surely we can agree on this." Whether it be the borders, the economy, uh, radical Islam, Second Amendment, uh, pro-life, whatever it may be, there have, there have got to be some points of 
of, of a foundational trust that we can develop amongst us as Americans because right now we are a more divided country than I have ever seen it in my lifetime. Well, I wrote a book about that. I wrote a book about that called The Divided Era. We're talking yes. to Sean Atkins. This is Tom Del Bacaro substituting for the great Andrea K today on 1170 KCBQ. Listen, Sean, I want to transition to this, this notion you're talking about, about some of the softness that we see in our younger generation and transition that into rules of engagement. Because I remember, I was old enough to remember Jimmy Carter being concerned when there were hostages, uh, when they wanted to go free, liberate them, that he didn't want to kill unnecessarily. He wanted to have our our rescuers go over the wall and knock people out instead of kill them, that kind of thing. And today we learn of rules of engagement that some people think are increasing the amount of fatalities that American troops face abroad. Do you have a a view on all of that? I I sure do. And before I get lost in the moment on that, because that that could take me a while, I I do want to congratulate you on such a great campaign running out there in California. Thank Uh, you. I I had the pleasure of having you on my show last year with with the late, great Primo Mondoni. And Don New and Don Caduceus, some, some other great people I really respect. But um, I, I really hope the people in California get out and vote for you vote the right way because, you, I mean, you are the exact kind of person we need in D.C. to represent us as Americans. Thank um, you. And, Thanks so much. Getting back to the rules of engagement, absolutely. And we don't just see it abroad or, or with our troops. We see it at home with our police force. Um, so many times I think our police officers and our law enforcement feel like their hands are tied because – Look, let's be honest. There are, there are bad apples in any segment of the population, you know, whether it be law enforcement, teachers, soldiers, radio hosts, uh, authors, whatever it may be. There's going to be a few bad apples in the bunch. And, but, but one side or the other can't just highlight the bad when 95 plus percent is, is actually trying to do good. But then sometimes they feel like their hands are being tied or that the, the uh, microscope is on them, so then they can't really do their jobs. And especially in a, in a theater of war. And I, I'll say this, Tom, and I just said last week on my show. Look, for those who don't know, and I'm sure everyone can guess and have their own perspective of what they think war is, and I'm not saying that I was any, in any uh, hot kill spot or anything like that. I mean, we did take a little bit of a small fire one time from a distance. It wasn't anything It wasn't anything that actually even felt threatened by. Uh, air superiority reigned supreme, and we were good to go. But uh, when you are in a spot where you're taking small arms fire or when you're in a compromised situation, and you have to worry about what some suit in Washington, D.C. thinks about what your next action may be, that is an atrocity. That is absolutely absurd, and it cannot stand. Um, look, you have literally less than seconds sometimes to make decisions. Yeah, this, is what, this is what I don't understand, Sean. I mean, <laughs> you walk into a room, and, and you know, I remember the line about if there is a doubt, there is no doubt, Right. And yet they expect you to operate in doubt and, and hold back? I mean, doesn't that disarm you in a way? It certainly does. It, it disarms you mentally and emotionally because, uh, just, I mean, look, this is like the whole Aubrey Gray thing. It, just, what was that? It was a decade ago now almost. Um, simply because some, some troops went a little rogue and decided to take some, you know, pretty classless pictures. Okay, you know, I, look, I'm not going to get on my high horse and say that I probably didn't get a chuckle or two out of some of those pictures. But, look, we, we, we are chastising people for taking pictures or for interrogating. For, for instance, Colonel Allen West, someone who I revere to a great degree, because he used, quote, unquote, unethical methods to obtain information that actually saved lives, he was discharged from the Army. I mean, he saved the lives of 
dozens, uh, if not scores, of Americans. And because he didn't do it the way the book said to do it, or the way that some suit and tie in D.C. said to do it, then he was excoriated for it. And uh, the war does not always dictate that you can do things exactly by the book. I'm not saying you go out and be a rogue, lone wolf, and do your own thing. But you have to make pertinent decisions, like I said, in a matter of seconds or less sometimes, and, and sometimes those decisions either cost lives or save lives. So we're talking to Sean Atkins. He uh, lives in West Virginia, author of the book Squashing Liberalism, Marine Corps vet. Sean, I want to thank you for coming on the show and inviting me. Going forward, I hope you, you'll bring me back on your show. Uh, it's Memorial Day, folks. This is Tom Del Beccaro, your U.S. Senate candidate, and I am. Hey, sub- Tom. Yeah? yeah I, just, I was going to say thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Thanks so much. We'll be back right after this. This is Tom Del Beccaro for Andrea Kay on The Andrea Kay Show. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen & Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen & Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Hi, my name is Colin Pokola, and I'm the owner and founder of Pokola Law. My law firm separates itself from the pack by catering exclusively to small business owners and providing them with that personal touch that they deserve. When you call me, you get me, not an associate or a secretary, just me. From incorporating your business to drafting contracts, helping you bring on a partner or two, trademarking and copywriting your work, and even litigation if it's absolutely necessary to protect your business's interests, Pokola Law can be your one-stop shop for all of your small business's legal needs. Schedule your initial consultation today and mention that you heard me on AM 1170, and I'll credit our first meeting toward any legal work we've discussed. You can reach me by phone at 844-695-1487 or at pokalalaw.com, P-O-K-A-L-A law.com. The information contained herein is for information purposes only and should not be misconstrued as legal advice on any subject matter and does not create an attorney-client relationship. For your consultation, call 844-695-1487 or visit pokalalaw.com. Convenient, homestyle recipes, and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea Kay Show. This is Tom Del Beccaro, your U.S. Senate candidate. On this Memorial Day, Andrea is off on, I guess, taking the weekend off, and she asked me to come in, and I'm delighted to be here. In our first segment, segment we heard from Sean Atkins, a former 
uh, veteran of, not a former veteran, obviously, a veteran of uh, the Middle East Wars, uh, Marine Corps, and now one of my favorites, a guy who uh, you all know, Lieutenant Colonel Bill Cowan, been on Fox News Channel and Fox Business Channel many, many times. He's a contributor to both and an expert in the areas of terrorism, which has, is here to stay in some ways. Homeland Security and military special operations. Lieutenant Colonel Bill Callan served in Vietnam. And in the 1980s, he was specially selected to serve as one of the first members and the only Marine in the Pentagon's most classified counterterrorist unit. Lieutenant Colonel, how are you today? I'm good, Tom. Thanks so much for inviting me to join you on this special day. Yeah, definitely. So what, what can you tell us about specially selected to serve on one of the first and the most classified counterterrorist unit? What, can you tell us well, anything about that? Well, look, Tom, you, uh, I'm sure many of your listeners remember, as you do, that uh, when we did the Tehran rescue effort to get our hostages out of Iran, uh, it crumbled in the desert. And as a result of, of that activity and that operation, the Pentagon undertook to create three special units, very special units whose primary focus was going to be to deal with issues like Tehran or other terrorist or hostage issues. And so they created Delta Force, which everybody knows about these days, although it was highly secret, highly classified, for at least the first 15 years of its existence, it's well known now. They created Task Force 160, a small aviation unit, which was called Sea Spray at the time. Task Force 160 continues to be one of our most special military, uh, special operations units in the aviation area. And they created the unit that I was part of, the Intelligence Support Activity, which from that day to today, remains highly, highly classified. There is stuff out there about it. It's changed its names, name a few times, but it essentially has the same missions that they had back then. So I was fortunate to be uh, one of the very first people in there, in large part because I had a lot of special operations and special activity experience in Vietnam. So Marine Corps sent me there, and uh, I served a couple great years there with some truly phenomenal uh, Army people. We didn't have any Navy folks there at the time or Air Force. We just had a whole bunch of Army guys and Army civilians and me, the one Marine. It was a great experience, and it really defined much of my uh, later career well, once I left the military. So this is Tom Delbacaro. We're talking to one of my favorites, Lieutenant Colonel Bill Cowan. You've seen him on Fox News Business Channel and, and Fox News Channel. So I, I want to ask you a question about that. You know, I'm I'm running for U.S. Senate now and again. People say to me that I'm, they suggest that I'm brave for doing this. And I always immediately reply, said, it's not brave to speak the truth. If you want to talk about bravery, strap a gun on your back and go, go to war. Those are the brave. So, Lieutenant Colonel, it's Memorial Day. For an average person like me who was blessed or lucky enough, or however you want to describe it, born during an era of peace, what, what, is, what does Memorial Day mean to you? Well, Tom, I, I do think indeed that it means a lot of different things to different people. And uh, it, to veterans, I think to a combat veteran, uh, somebody who was really engaged in, in the battle on the front lines and saw uh, friends and fellow service members die, it, it means one thing. It's very profound, I think, for other people who served in the military but were never actually in combat, yet lost friends. Uh, it's, it's a little bit different. And then certainly for the civilian world, 
Um, you know, they, I mean, people uh, people who have uh, friends or neighbors or relatives who are in the service, they may have some appreciation for it. The unfortunate thing is the vast majority of the American public, which, as you know, uh, really doesn't take the time to stop and think about uh, the sacrifices that it's taken to get us uh, where we are here. And, uh, of course, if you look at World War II, war has changed certainly over my lifetime. I was born in 1943. I enlisted in the Navy. I went to boot camp there in San Diego in 1961. Tom, I remember looking across at the Marine Corps Recruit Training Center and saying, man, those poor guys, I, I'm glad I'm not going through that. And ultimately, I ended up becoming a Marine. But for for the most part, people who have some relationship Direct or indirect with the military, it means one thing. For the many who don't and don't care and don't pay any attention, it's certainly something different, unfortunately. Well, let's. Uh, we can talk. You talk about how war has changed. Um, today, we have a president which some don't believe, I think rightfully, truly understands or appreciates the exceptionalism of America. And you can't get any more exceptional than those who, for instance, gave their life on D Day. But today, you hear about different rules of engagement. And I asked our prior guest, Sean Adkins, how he felt about that. Uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, you, you're, you're out there. You're risking their, your lives. You understand the situation. I, I got to feel that you're disarmed in some respect. Yeah, uh, well, unfortunately, I, I, didn't, I know Sean Adkins very well, and I know he's got a compelling story. I'm sure he had some real sharp comments about the rules of engagement, and I expected mine parallel his quite a bit. Look, uh, I don't think, and, I, and I'm somewhat of a student of history, none of us want to see civilian casualties. You don't want it to happen. And, and intentional civilian casualties in particular, and things like me lying in Vietnam are a reminder of intentional civilian casualties, unfortunately. Nobody wants civilian casualties. But the fact of the matter is, Tom, that if you're going to fight a war and you expect to win it, you want to win it with the least casualties to yourself. Uh, there's there's a price, and the price is civilian casualties. And under this administration, and let me say quickly, before D-Day, uh, before the troops actually landed in Normandy, the the, the uh, Allied forces in England went to the French resistance, who was going to help them in the battle once they got into France. Went to the French resistance and said, "Look, we are very concerned about." Uh, civilian casualties and what the impact is going to have is going to be on the support we have from the from from you and from the French population. And the response they got with, back was, "Do what you have to do. This is war. We need to win." It wasn't anything about, "Well, be real careful and do this." It was very direct and and accurate. And this administration, unfortunately is so scared about any civilian casualties that they put in rules of engagement which make it very difficult for the warfighters, the guys on the ground, the guys actually engaged in combat, to often get the kind of support that they need, the help that they need, the firepower that they need, because before bombs can be dropped, their guns can be fired, there's a whole series of, of steps in the chain of command for somebody to give the approval. And I think the worst part about that, Tom, and I'm still reasonably well connected, more, more than a little connected uh, into the fight, into what's going on in the fight against ISIS. We have had a number of times when we had al-Baghdadi, the leader of ISIS, in our sights, in our sights, ready to be killed. And the and the and all the flags went up and said, wait a minute, are there any civilians around him right now? Is he traveling with his wife and children? Or is, there, so, so, is there any way somebody else is going to be killed in this? 
we're never going to win the war if that's the criteria we have to go through. And I emphasize to all your listeners particularly, nobody wants to see civilian casualties. But it doesn't stop the other side from inflicting civilian casualties. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're talking. This is Tom Del Beccaro, your U.S. Senate candidate today uh, in subbing for Andrea Kay, who's off enjoying herself for today on this very, very special day uh, in America and really for the world, given how much freedom that America and and its veterans and and its fallen have unleashed on for the world. We're talking to Lieutenant Colonel Bill Cowan. Don't they know the other side that this discussion is going on and these weak rules of engagement? Don't they exploit it? Do they ever, Tom? Do they ever? You bet. And uh, and they do it very effectively. And of course, I'm sure you have a lot of listeners right now who who fought in Iraq. You know, there was a time in in Iraq where it was absolutely forbidden to to attack any sites, uh, any mosques that might have uh, insurgents in them. And and only over a period of time did it become revealed that the mosques were where the weapons were being hidden, where planning was going on, where the insurgents were mobilizing to go out and fight. And there were a lot of occasions when and there were snipers were firing from mosques and our troops couldn't fire back. And it, it took a period of time and it took some pretty brave leadership, I think, on the part of some commanders, commanders to say, the heck with those rules of engagement. We can't sit here and take fire from a mosque and know that that mosque is where all the weapons are being stored without taking some some kind of action because at the end of the day if we don't do something we're losing some of our own forces and that's the worst thing that a commander has to go through the absolute worst thing the loss of any one of his men or women to, to enemy fire so it, so they know that you're not shooting on this mosque they load the mosque up it's probably no longer even really used for its original purpose exactly what uh you Go back to to Jimmy Carter. I, my memory was that when they uh, he didn't want any civilian deaths when they went in. They want he wanted to knock people out instead of you know. Can you possibly win a war like that? Can you go you into a can, mission? Tom. You can't, Tom. You can't, and you have to accept the fact. And you know, th- this is a, a debate, a national discussion slash debate that has to be had. And that, it, it, under this kind of presidency, now look, we don't know who's going to be our next president. If it's from the opposition there, if it's Hillary and company, I'm not sure that a lot is going to change. Uh, If it's Donald Trump uh, on our side, you know, it remains to be seen. We don't know who all the people are around him. I've got a wonderful friend, former commander of Delta Force, who is one of the advisors to Donald Trump. And I know that guy and I, we talk a lot. He feels just the way I do. You have to accept the tragedy of civilian casualties if you want to win. You want to minimize the tragedy of civilian casualties. But you want to defeat those guys. And, you know, the longer we don't defeat them, the longer the pain and suffering goes on that they inflict from their side. When al-Baghdadi is killed, and at some point he will be, and he could have been many times before but hasn't been, he will be, and somebody will step up to take his place. But I'll give you a better example. Raqqa, the headquarters of ISIS, Raqqa in Syria. At one point in Raqqa, most of ISIS was congregated in two or three buildings because they knew they weren't going to get struck. That's where their headquarters was. That's where all the high-level leadership was. And I used to say, you know, if we want to shorten the war with ISIS, let's wake up some morning, turn on the news, and see a smoking crater where ISIS's headquarters used to be in Raqqa. It comes at a cost of civilian casualties. It definitely shortens the war. It stops the enthusiasm of jihadis around the globe who see every little victory that ISIS has and says, hey, I want to go be part of that. That smoking crater would send a, send a signal out there to jihadis around the world that maybe going and joining ISIS isn't such a good idea after all. 
We're talking to Lieutenant Colonel Bill Cowan. This is Tom Del Bacaro substituting for Andrea Kay today on this special day, Memorial Day. After the break, we're going to talk more about what Lieutenant Colonel Bill Cowan thinks, how we should be fighting ISIS, and maybe even how we should be thinking about Saudi Arabia. This is Tom Del Bacaro, back in just a minute. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Hi, my name is Colin Pokola, and I'm the owner and founder of Pokola Law. My law firm separates itself from the pack by catering exclusively to small business owners and providing them with that personal touch that they deserve. When you call me, you get me, not an associate or a secretary, just me. From incorporating your business to drafting contracts, helping you bring on a partner or two, trademarking and copywriting your work, and even litigation if it's absolutely necessary to protect your business's interests, Pokola Law can be your one-stop shop for all of your small business's legal needs. Schedule your initial consultation today and mention that you heard me on AM 1170, and I'll credit our first meeting toward any legal work we've discussed. You can reach me by phone at 844-695-1487 or at pokalalaw.com. P-O-K-A-L-A law.com. The information contained herein is for information purposes only and should not be misconstrued as legal advice on any subject matter and does not create an attorney-client relationship. For your consultation, call 844-695-1487 or visit pokalalaw.com. This is Tom Del Bacaro. Thanks for joining us this evening. I'm substituting for Andrea Kay. I'm your U.S. Senate candidate, and we're joined by one of my favorites, in part because, Bill, I don't know if I ever told you this. To me, what is so important when it comes to foreign policy, and I tell this all the time, is the need for America to speak with moral clarity again. I think when you're wishy-washy, you draw a line and you don't adhere to it, But even in just your pronouncements, when Reagan called it the evil empire and Natan Sharansky said that was the moment he knew that freedom was going to be possible or the defeat of the Soviet Union was going to be possible. And I think people ask me all the time, what do you think of, you know, what would you change about foreign policy? Well, obviously, number one, we've got to change a president. But we have to speak with moral clarity again and, and say clearly what is right is wrong. That doesn't mean we have to be everywhere at every moment. We don't have to send troops everywhere. But are you with me on this? We have to speak with totally. greater clarity? Totally, Tom. We have to stand up and uh, speak about who we are with, with, uh, with conviction and speak about how we're going to support our friends. And that doesn't always mean sending troops by any means and, and how we're going to thwart our enemies. And uh, this under this administration, we've done neither. And, you know, you've heard this many times, as I'm sure your listeners have, our friends can't trust us. Our enemies don't fear us. That's true. That's the world we're in. And, uh, and our new president going in there. And again, we'll, we, you know, we hope he's going to be from our side, whoever it might be. And I assume it's going to be Donald Trump. Uh, we have to have somebody that's going to stand up there with conviction uh, and, and, and a sense of intellect and all the things he says. I worry a little bit sometimes about, uh, you know, a President Trump not having good advisors around him and not saying the things carefully because we don't want to offend people who are on our side. And we sometimes do inadvertently. But we have to stand as, as the voice of reason and power in the globe in the hopes of doing good. And reminder again on this Veterans Day, we don't have any of our people who died because we tried to take over some country. 
We went out there and sacrificed because we're trying to defend ours and we're trying to defend the countries, nations of our friends and allies. So and let me continue on that a little bit. One of the other things that I, I say to people, and you, you alluded to it, the, the need to stand by your allies. One of the first things this administration did was tear up the carefully crafted over time uh, agreement with Poland related to yes. missiles. Yes. And to me, that told the world, and especially Poland, oh, it doesn't matter that you went out on a limb for us. For political reasons, we're just going to say, sorry, it doesn't matter to us anymore. And another thing I talk about, people talk about Benghazi all the time, and they always focus on the deaths, and obviously we should. And we should focus on that we didn't, uh, prior to it occurring, we didn't provide the support, all of those things. But I, I want to get your reaction to this. I also tell people one of the worst things that happened related to Benghazi was that the United States helped destabilize a country, which I think we shouldn't have been doing. And then what happens is there's a new president in there who's, who has a tenuous hold on reality, right? And right. then what happens is this Benghazi occurs, right? And then he, within a day starts telling the world this is a terrorist strike because he knew it, right? Right, right. And then the country that helped put him there, his so-called ally, the president makes up a story in the Secretary of State about uh, a video. And to me, right then and there, that says, to, should he have ever trusted Obama again? Should anybody say at that point that they should trust Obama? To me, that was the biggest repercussion outside of the uh, of the news cycle in america that was a repercussion in the world that america would play politics like that i i agree totally tom let me say quickly on the on the missile defense shield in poland and the czech republic those governments and of course the, there have been many years put together in trying to define uh, how that missile defense shield was going to work and of course it was always um stated that it was to protect us against Iranian missiles, which is true, but it also had a secondary purpose to protect us against Russian missiles. So, in fact, I just wrote an op-ed piece that's getting ready to be published, and, and some of it was about that particular issue. When Obama and those those governments, Poland and the Czech Republic, they had a lot of internal dissension about the missile defense shield. They had to fight to get uh, total public approval for it. They went through a lot of gyrations, and then this administration just categorically, as you suggested, canceled it without consultation, without anything, just cancel it via a news break. And, you know, when we look at what happened, what was going on in the Ukraine, the, the continued Russian intervention in Ukraine, two years ago, the president could have stood up and said, okay, Russia, I understand you want to keep pushing in the Ukraine. You want to take the Crimea. You want to do this. You want to do that. I just want to let you know that I'm reengaging with the Poles and with the Czech Republic, because we're going to put that missile defense shield up. Instead, you know, Putin, Putin, the Russians didn't want the missile defense shield. Our president gave it up without one concession, one concession from the Russians, or from Putin or Russia, and which was a, a, a victory, a total victory for them. And certainly people throughout Europe, other allies throughout Europe had to watch what happened there and question our commitment. When we look at what this president did to Mubarak in right. Egypt, Nobody wants to say he's the he's the best guy we ever had out there. But my goodness, 
we totally trashed Mubarak. We, we, and when we talk about Libya, Tom, as you know, Gaddafi, another bad guy. Nobody says he's a good guy, but Gaddafi was working on our behalf. And Gaddafi we forget. And we engaged in our behalf going against the Al Qaeda terrorist of North Africa. And we totally trashed the guy, totally turned on him. And we and people forget that that, you know, they talk about the first Iraq war. People forget that he gave up his nukes in response yes. to that unilaterally. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes, he did. And uh, and he, he sided with us after that. Now, look, we're not arguing about whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. Uh, you know, nothing, I, but what we need to argue about in cases like this is to what degree was he helpful to the United States in some of our longer or bigger term objectives? And, and along those lines, what were we trying to do to get him mod, to modify his own behavior? I don't know that we were trying to get him to do anything. We just suddenly decided one day we didn't like him anymore because it was the Arab Spring. And it seemed convenient for all of us, for all of us to look like we were totally behind the notion of democracy everywhere without any idea how democracy would, or whatever you want to call democracy, might unfold in countries yeah. who had never known democracy which explains a little bit uh, our problems in Afghanistan, our problems in Iraq, our problems in Libya, our problems elsewhere. So, you know, we, we have we have these series of people in, in, in government who have no understanding, appreciation of foreign cultures, of the background of the countries we're dealing with. Yeah, we get these pie-in-the-sky notions that everybody ought to look like us, and then we spend American lives trying to make that happen, and it doesn't work. Hadn't worked. I don't. I can't think of an occasion where it's worked. Tom, perhaps I'm wrong, but okay. This is Tom Del Bacaro, your U.S. Senate candidate, substituting today for Andre K. We're talking to one of my favorites, Lieutenant Colonel Bill Cowan. Let's in a couple of minutes we have remaining. Let's let's talk about ISIS. I tell them people ask me about that. The the big ISIS. Uh, I use the cancer analogy. There, when ISIS started up, it was a cancer, but it was perhaps only in one organ. And the biggest mistake they made was to allow it to metastasize, get so large that it could project power internationally and then and then become a magnet for others to join them. We never should have let it get go this far today. We need to understand that them holding land is essential to their legitimacy. And the fact that they got so much land with oil that Turkey uh, was buying that oil and funding them. We need to right. we need to recalibrate our relationship with Turkey. We need to help the Kurds. I know you spent time there. Why don't you give us a few thoughts on that in the in the minute and a half we have left? Well, look, Tom. There's no question uh, that, that Turkey is party to a lot of this. It's ironic that the Turks indeed were buying a lot of that oil coming out of the ISIS-controlled areas, or at least they were partners to letting it travel across their borders and be sold in various places. And in the meantime, they've they've really turned on a dime here and are now going after the Kurds, their own Turkish Kurds. And there's 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 Turkish Kurds, there's Syrian Kurds, there's Iraqi Kurds, and there's Iranian Kurds. And the Turks are in an all-out battle right now with the Turkish Kurds, the PKK, after a long truce went on. Look, a lot of this goes back to Erdogan, uh, the current uh, president of Turkey, who plans to be, like Putin, the president or, or prime minister forever. And he's continued to try to work the internal dynamics of his country to get to, to make that happen, Tom. The, part of the problem is that Erdogan is really trying to shift Turkey away from being a secular nation back to being a Muslim or an Islamic nation. And in that conjunction, he's working closely, I think, uh, with the Iranians. And he's really distancing himself from from NATO and from the European Union. I don't see anything going in a good direction 
with respect to Turkey. I've been in Turkey, to Turkey a few times in recent years. It's a beautiful place. The Turks are wonderful people. And listen, they've got a lot of people there that don't want anything to do with, with Erdogan or those around him. So we're going to see a lot of turmoil in Turkey for a while. Uh, the Turks aren't totally engaged against ISIS. You know, we we always we we need to remember. And every time the Pentagon starts talking about these phenomenal successes we're having against ISIS, the battle for Fallujah is engaging again here in the last few days. They're prepared to go into Mosul. They're doing this. Special Forces troops are operating in Syria with the with the rebels we put together. All these good news stories. Forget them. Forget them. They're not that good news because what the Pentagon's not saying at the same time is the growth of ISIS. You have to find this in the media. The growth of ISIS in Libya. The growth exactly. of ISIS in the Philippines where Abu Sayyaf. The growth of ISIS in Somalia where uh, Al-Shabaab has joined them. The growth of ISIS where Boko Haram. All these other places around the world where, where entities, uh, uh, terrorist entities, are joining the ISIS bandwagon. Yeah, and so all ISIS made is, possible by not correctly this president accepting the diagnosis that was put out there for him to see that this is not something you would like to go on. This is Tom Delbo. Absolutely Del correct, Tom. He had this administration had ample opportunity to deal with this early on, and they didn't because remember. This president's got a Nobel Peace Prize at stake, and I like to remind people of this. <laughs> you go back and look at many of the decisions he's made. He's not worried about what's happening right now. He's worried about his legacy. In 20 or 30 years from now, these Obama lovers are going to say, see, see, he got us out of Iraq. See, yeah. he got us out of Afghanistan. At what, at what price? At what pri they're not going to talk about what price. They're going to talk about the actions he took, and they're going to say that's why he deserved the Nobel Peace Prize. Lieutenant Colonel Bill Cowan, one of my favorites, one who speaks with moral clarity and a great spokesman on behalf of, of America and, and veterans and the, and the fallen. Thanks for joining me on Memorial Day. This is Tom Del Beccaro, your U.S. Senate candidate. Back for one last segment. Next up, Lieutenant Colonel Paul Nagy. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. Hi, my name is Colin Polkala, and I'm the owner and founder of Polkala Law. My law firm separates itself from the pack by catering exclusively to small business owners and providing them with that personal touch that they deserve. When you call me, you get me, not an associate or a secretary, just me. From incorporating your business to drafting contracts, helping you bring on a partner or two, trademarking and copywriting your work, and even litigation if it's absolutely necessary to protect your business's interests, Polkala Law can be your one-stop shop for all of your small business's legal needs. Schedule your initial consultation today and mention that you heard me on AM 1170, and I'll credit our first meeting toward any legal work we've discussed. You can reach me by phone at 844-695-1487 or at pokalalaw.com P-O-K-A-L-A law.com. The information contained herein is for information purposes only and should not be misconstrued as legal advice on any subject matter and does not create an attorney-client relationship. For your consultation call 844-695-1487 or visit pokalalaw.com
I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen & Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen & Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. This is Tom Delbacaro, your U.S. Senate candidate. The election is next Tuesday, a week from Tuesday, June 7th. Sure hope you'll mark the ballot with my name on it for the U.S. Senate race. Right now, I'm pleased to be joined by Lieutenant Colonel Paul Naji, who has a very distinguished career. We're, we're honoring our fallen soldiers who have done gave the ultimate sacrifice really too much for us to ask and uh and it's i think uh memorial day i wish we could make a bigger deal out of it in this country uh because for the lives of them and their families it couldn't have been a much much bigger deal uh we and so that's today i've had uh three guests on uh all of them veterans all of them who who had distinguished careers and i know have strong opinions on this day in particular so welcome, Lieutenant Colonel Paul Naji. How are you today? I'm very fine, Tom. How are you doing today? We're doing good. The yeah, campaign's a week away, and I've never been more tired in my life. But, uh, you know, as I told an earlier guest, some people say that I'm brave for doing this. And I say, no, I'm not brave at all. Brave is strapping a gun on your back and going to the Middle East and those kind of things. So why don't you give people a brief background, because I know you have a military intelligence background, which has mm-hmm. always been fascinating to me. Well, uh, I graduated uh, from Valparaiso University, went through officer candidate school, started in the Marine Corps in 1974 as a field artillery officer, and then in the early 80s, they transferred me to the military intelligence branch, and uh, I won't walk you through the entire career, but the highlights were I was the S-2 for the landing force Sixth Fleet, which is the Mediterranean. Uh, Muammar Gaddafi was one of my old buddies, so to speak. I used to watch him on a daily basis. Uh, we, uh, I then uh, uh, was uh, with the long-range planning shop with the J-2 at U.S. Uh, European Command in Germany. Um, I was then the uh, intelligence requirements officer for the entire Marine Corps. And then I became my last uh, tour of duty, my twilight tour. I uh, was the chief of plans and operations for the J-2 at U.S. Central Command. And uh, during that time, I had the opportunity to meet a lot of great people and um, got to work on some very challenging uh, and interesting uh, issues and problem sets. I learned a great deal. Some of it tragic, but most of it was positive. So, and what does, for someone with your experience, and I know you just said tragic, and I, I can't imagine what it's like, uh, because, look, let's face it, I've, I, I'm blessed. Because of the people like you, because of our fallen shoulder, soldiers, I get to live an incredible life. So what does Memorial Day mean to you? Well, there's two things. First of all, uh, as an American, I'm just thankful for uh, uh all those men and now women, we've lost about 150 women in combat operations in Iraq and Afghanistan, but all the men and women throughout our, our distinguished history uh, as a nation, 
who have paid the ultimate sacrifice uh, so that uh, myself and my family can live in this this blessed place. Uh, and on, on a personal note, uh, it, it makes me think of, of friends that I lost, uh, and it gets a little personal. And, you know, you still, even though it's been almost 30 years, I still remember their names, uh, Wade, uh, Eddie, uh, John McCrugaloo from Louisiana, Mike Koshevsky uh, from up in the New York area. I remember all these guys, and I remember them well. We had a Memorial Day service today here. By the way, I'm calling from South Georgia, and we had a memorial service here today. And uh, the, what the first Marine from this county who was killed in combat was a guy by the name of Glenwood Murphy, and he was killed on a patrol in I-Corps up uh, in Vietnam in 1965 and every year since like the early uh, 70s these two marines who were with him when he was killed come to moultrie every year and spend the day with his family wow and and you know it's you you just don't forget these people their names their faces so as an American, it means something to me. And then as a, as a Marine, as a, just a basic human being, it, it's personal because I remember personalities, names, wives, children uh, of these guys who pay the ultimate sacrifice. This is Tom DelBacaro. We're talking to Lieutenant Colonel Paul Naji about Memorial Day. Thanks for joining us. Andrea Kay is on vacation. So I know you're... You're a conservative and, and you're a constitutionalist, and I know you respect the fact that, that we have a civilian in charge of the military. But I also know you think that that doesn't mean that some of these civilians go too far and politicize yeah. the process. Why don't you talk to us about that? Yeah, I, I'm a little concerned about what's going on. I, you know, for instance, uh, the policies uh, uh, with uh, the... the uh, uh, first of all, with women in combat, I'm not necessarily opposed to it, but the way it was done, I don't think was smart. Uh, for instance, the Marine Corps did a very, very in-depth study, came up with, I believe it was about 118 different functions that an infantryman has to perform on a battlefield. They selected women, put them in a test for about 30 days. The senior officers, according to the women who were in the test, stayed away from them, stayed out of the process. When the results came in, the Marine Corps assessment was it was just not a good idea to put women in infantry units. The Secretary of Defense dismissed the report out of hand, didn't even read it, didn't even look at the details. He said that the process was flawed, even though he didn't even read it and didn't even look at it. I worked in the D.C. arena for three years when I was the Marine Corps intelligence off, uh, requirements officer. And when something like that happens, that tells me there's a political agenda being driven. Uh, it's been that way, I think, with uh, the transgender policy, uh, some of the uh, policies regarding treatment of homosexuals. Uh, and uh, I, I'm going to tell you, uh, they, they left Iraq too soon. As messed up as that situation became, we had it stabilized. And one of the guys who helped stabilize it was my son, who's done five tours over there. And uh, then we just, we just 
packed up and blew out of town for it to meet a political agenda. I have a friend, Carol Stewart, who I work with down at CENTCOM, is in trouble now because she blew the whistle on the leadership at Central Command because she was in the shop that did the initial assessment on ISIS and said these guys are not to be trifled with. These guys are serious. They're going to be a problem. Uh, they were told that that did not fit the narrative that people wanted to hear, so they try, tried to squash the report. She blew the whistle. Now they're trying to get her forced out. She is a retired Army colonel. She's now working in intelligence as a civilian. They're trying to push her out of that. The whole process has been uh, politicized, and that is bad because that runs contrary to what the founding fathers had in mind even though they wanted a civilian to be the head of the military, they still wanted it to be non-politicized. And this guy, this guy and his administration have just stepped over several lines, which I don't think are very good. And they're going to be injurious to the long-term health of the military. This is Tom Delbacaro, your U.S. Senate candidate in for Andrea Kay. She's on vacation today on this very special day for America, Memorial Day. We're talking to Lieutenant Colonel Paul Najee. You know, San Diego is one of the great military towns uh, in America, around the world. In there, beautiful place. And so, I got to tell you, it 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 hurts. I don't know what the right word is. It bothers me to hear this from someone like you who knows it and lives it. And I worry about its effect on morale on on those serving us now who want the best. What words do you have for them? Or because, you know, well, my, my worries are, you know, in the late 70s, we were going through this, too. But the American people saved us by electing Ronald Reagan. And I'm hoping that in this next election, I don't I don't think Donald Trump is another Ronald Reagan, but I certainly think he would be a stark improvement. And I'm hoping that the American people will help the U.S. military and elect a guy who I think is going to be more prone to taking care of us and treating the military a little bit more seriously and not as a political arm like the current administration. If that doesn't happen, if we get four more years uh, of Obama light, which is what Hillary is going to be, I'm very concerned about the condition the U.S. military is going to be in. We've been talking with Lieutenant Colonel Paul Naji. Thank you very much. This is Tom Del Bacaro. I want to, I want for all of the families who have, have lost soldiers, uh, any branch of the government, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you. And my father was in the military in World War II uh, and served in uh, Oak Knoll Naval Hospital. I can't imagine what it's like for your lives. And, your, uh, and the rest of your family, we owe a debt of gratitude that's really, there's no way, and I think, Lieutenant Colonel, you'll agree with me, there's no way you can thank these people enough. Well, I appreciate your sentiment. I really do. And, and just, you know, just thank them and, and uh, hold them in your prayers. And, uh, you know, when you go to vote, think about the serious issues. Forget about the superficial stuff. Vote on the issues. Yeah, we, and, and we have an election day here, June 7th. Yep. I want to thank you, Lieutenant Colonel, for joining me. I want to thank the listeners of the Andrea K. Show. She'll be back during her regular time. This is Tom Del Bacaro. Thanks so much for having me in. And God bless all of you, all of the military families, 
all of those active duty, all of those who uh, uh, are veterans, and especially on this Memorial Day for all of the fallen. Thank you very much.